Here's Neymar now, Cavani is there. And Saint-Etienne has surely won it in the 89th minute. Kalou for Cavano. Oh, what a strike. An absolute beauty for Florian Tobac. Kylian Mbappé wraps it up. Hello and welcome along to Le Beaujeu. It's a very special day. It's it's our birthday. Le Beaujeu podcast is one today. We are just uh, starting to walk. We've, we've found our feet, so to speak. And uh, we've got plenty to talk about today. Leon are on the prowl. Three wins in a week, including victories over Juventus and Saint-Étienne in the derby. I've got Rudy Garcia's charges back on track. Dario Benedetto's hat-trick does the trick for Marseille, but wins for Rennes and Lille mean the race for Champions League qualification is still very much alive. All of that, plus our take on PSG 4, Dijon nil coming up. The panel today, I've made a bit of a, a, a Thomas Tuchel against Dortmund caller. I've dropped one of my quatre fantastiques. I'm going with three uh, today, and I think that's, that's, that's enough, really, because we've got three quality um, Journalists. We have Robbie Thompson, who is sitting opposite me. Hi, Robbie. Hello, Matt. Dave. Uh, it's always dangerous to change formation at the last moment, man. It is, but I did try this um, against Dijon last week. That's what Thomas Tuchel said, isn't it? Dave, Dave Crossan, how are you? And yeah, very young. good. It's not the first time that Armel Tongi and Andy Scott haven't been invited to a birthday party. Looking forward to this edition. Ooh. <laughs> it's a low blow. It's a low blow. We will miss the likes of Armel and uh, and Andy today, but, but plenty to talk about and... Uh, of course, we will be starting with Lyon and uh, the Sunday night derby. It was the 120th Rhône-Alp derby between Olympique Lyonnais and AS Saint-Étienne. And it was commentated by Robbie Thompson. Standing over this one. And it comes near post. And the header from Moussa Dembele. Tonko Akambi's shot claims... A handball and it's a penalty against Kolodzicak in a yellow card. Dembele. Scores! Only just. But as cool as you like. Robbie, a cracking week for Lyon. Capped with that, that victory over Saint-Étienne. A victory that on paper um, may look like just an ordinary 2-0 win against the Saint-Étienne side. Struggling near the bottom of the standings, but it's... It's so much more than that, isn't it, to to the Leon supporters? And uh, yeah, just a, just a perfect week. Absolutely, perfect week. I commentated their game against Mess last week where they, they got a 2-0 win and it didn't look like the best preparation for, for what is a very big week. Confidence wasn't sky high, but how they've turned it around. Luca Tuzar against Juventus. And he almost scored after 35 seconds last night as well in the derby. Tuzar had the first chance of the match. A double for Moussa Dembele, including a, a penalty in stoppage time. They were completely dominant. Saint-Étienne looked in all sorts of trouble in the first half. They could b- barely string two passes together. Uh, Leon should have been up by more at halftime. There were a couple of VAR decisions that went a little bit harshly against Leon. I think. They could easily have won 4 or 5 nil. No, no exaggeration whatsoever. Yeah, and that, that first half, I saw a stat, um, 78% possession for Leon, which... Uh, is apparently the most any team has enjoyed in Ligue 1 for 14 years. I mean, it's a huge amount of possession. Was it, was it Leon being um, outstanding and dominant? I heard Jean-Michel Olas saying it was all about us because we played quickly and we, it, it was a technical football. Or was it Saint-Étienne being afraid and being unable to keep the ball? 
I think we saw a centre to the inside that were very low on confidence and, and that they just sat back right from the start. And But to Leon's credit, and this again goes to Rudy Garcia, who I think is a, a, a good man manager and a good man motivator, and I've said it in the past, I think he gets his sides up for these one-off matches, like against Juventus as well, when nobody was expecting anything. They really took the game to them. And we have to talk, I think, about Bruno G in, in terms of that respect, in terms of possession, in terms of making this Leon side play. Bruno G is, uh, is looking Bruno a very Genesio. good signing. Not, not Bruno Genesio. Not, no. not Pep Genesio, but uh, Bruno Guimaraes, who uh, played his third game in a week. For, for Leon and and really does look look the business. I'm glad you pronounced that first. Uh, I'm going to go with Gimaresh, but there we go. Gimaresh, Dave, Dave, you've uh, you've been impressed. I know you were at the game against yeah. Juventus in midweek. Yeah, he was brilliant against Juventus. The the three central midfielders were all fantastic. Him and Alwa and uh, Luca Tuzar as well. And when you see those three on paper, when you arrive at the stadium for the game against Juventus, you think. Well, Tussar is going to be the deepest lying of the three and Gimaresh now are more technical players will play a bit further forward, but that's not what Garcia did. He played Gimaresh deeper. Mm-hmm. Everything goes through him. And what Juninho said about Tussar at the start of the season and then about Gimaresh when Gimaresh joined holds true. Gimaresh moves the ball quickly. And so suddenly Lyon are playing with this energy. It frees up the likes of Aoua to, to play the football we know that they can play and it's much better all round. A different system against Juventus to the one they used against Saint-Étienne. Three centre-halves against Juve, a back four uh, against Saint-Étienne at the weekend. But Gimaresh is so classy, so accomplished on the ball. Uh, he settled in immediately. He actually cost less than Thiago Mendes, who was watching from the stands last night, left again. out again, yeah. as he was in midweek, who, who came in for... 25 million from Lille and is being kept out of the squad by Kakare at the moment. But yeah, Gimaraes, what a signing. Brazil's Olympic captain, only 22, was man of the match against Saint-Étienne, probably should have been man of the match against Juventus. Aouar got the official award. Yeah, very good. Because that's it. There's been this transformation. The only real difference in the Lyon side, yes, okay, Garcia changed the tactics slightly. He played three Mm. at the back against Juventus. But the only real difference is is Bruno Guimaraes. I'm going to go with Dave's pronunciation. Okay, and uh, <laughs> it's it's amazing because they, you know, we, we know this Leon side has talent, but all season we've been saying it's disjointed. No one, no one really knows what what the game but plan they is. Needed and yet this, this guy just yeah. seems to be the cog. But they that, needed that cog exactly, man. I think you've hit the nail on the head. They needed the the player that can pick the ball up from the back, from Denier, from from Dubois, from these guys playing at the back that are good passers of the ball, but they need the oil that makes this whole machine tick. And interesting also is that we see Awa come back into midfield where I think he he offers more to the side as well with those late runs. You get more attacking players, faster players up front in the front line with Toko Akambi who came off the bench last night with Bertrand Traore, even if he hasn't been the most efficient striker they've had this year. But they have more players suited to attacking now and they have Awa back in midfield. I think it, it works. I'm pleased that Rob mentioned Dubois. I think Dubois' return has yeah. been huge for Lyon. He hurt his knee at the end of November. Um, came Three back, months out. Yeah. Uh, against Juventus, played brilliantly as a wing-back. Maxwell Cornet was terrific on the other side, and he missed the game against Saint-Étienne through injury. Uh, when I'm talking about energy, those two provided so much of that. Last night against Saint-Étienne, Dubois and Traore had the freedom of the right-hand side. They were being found at will by Gimaresh and Aoua and really should have made more of it. And I think the French TV commentary was a bit too kind to Traore. I thought his final ball was poor. I think what's what's interesting, though, about, about Gimaresh, just to sort of uh, talk a, a little bit more about him, because I think it's a real coup for Lyon. We know that Atletico Madrid um, were very keen on him. There were lots of rumours that Arsenal were, were following, and 
you know, probably probably a good number of clubs. Um, I saw him being interviewed on Canal Plus on Sunday night and, and he made um, some interesting points. He said that Atletico initially was his preference. Uh, that's where he wanted to go. But he, he sensed that Leon really, really, really wanted him and wanted to make him a major part of their team, whereas Atletico didn't. He also said Janino was was very significant in his choice. And I just wonder if this could be as well, the Philip for, for Janino. Absolutely, he's, turning point for Janino. Exactly, because he, you know, he was criticised and he, he's admitted it was a mistake to, to have appointed uh, Silvino in, in, in the summer. He's taken a bit of a back seat in terms of the communication and there are a lot of doubts over whether he's capable of being a top-level sporting director. But yeah, if he's found this guy that can make Leon suddenly, suddenly click, suddenly play, then, you know, Janino is going to gain a lot of credibility. And he went to Colombia to seal the signing and pose with the shirt and convinced Bruno Guimaraes personally. I, I thought it was a very good interview, the one that Juninho did, where he admitted to his mistakes. He's clearly an intelligent bloke. Um, he also said in that interview that he didn't really like agents before he became a sporting director, which is a problem, but that he's learned how to deal with them a bit. You can see his passion, though. And when I go to the Champions League games, he sits just the other side of the, the press uh, stand corridor from me, and he is shouting and banging the desk and he's living every moment like he's a player. And I think it's great. It's often you see sporting directors and they're very reserved, but to see someone who's got that passion for the club and is Leon's greatest ever player caring that much and now starting to identify the talents that could return Leon to the level that you'd expect of them. Uh, yeah, it's getting better. I mean, the jury's still a little bit out. He's got to have a good summer to back this up. Well, that's it. And I don't think we should get carried away. Again, listening to Jean-Michel Olas, he's talking like, you know, the end of the season is going to be going to be phenomenal. The question I want to ask is, has this turnaround come at the right time? Has it come a little bit too late? The victory in the league takes Leon up to fifth position. They're in a wonderful position against Juventus, but it's going to be incredibly difficult to go through in, in Turin. They've got these two cup ties coming up. Uh, Robbie, you're going to the Park OL, the Groupama Stadium on, on Wednesday. Wednesday night for yep. the cup semi-final. Leon versus PSG. They're playing PSG in the Coupe de la Ligue final. So, you know, what, what, would, um, what would be a success for Leon this season? The other question I've got is, you know, he's struck on this formula now, but he's played almost identical teams uh, three times, I think, in the space of a week. Or, no, well, certainly the Juventus game and the Saint-Étienne game. I think apart from Terrier coming in for Corne, they're, they're, it, it was the same team. Can he go with that same team again? You know, this lad, Gimaresh, he's come in, he's played three games in a week. Yeah, and I wonder how, how long it will be. Toko Kambi was also rested from... Uh, last night's game at, at kickoff anyway because he ran himself into the ground and has been running himself into the ground as well. Rudy Garcia has to be careful on that. I think there. I think it's very exciting to have a look at the standings now and see Leon making this charge. Monaco have been have been coming back, rising back to the top as well. Rennes, Marseille, Lille are there fighting for that third place, and I think it's going to be a real ding dong battle for for Europe. Yeah, Lille, Lyon next now. weekend as well. That becomes yeah, an even more it. significant game, perhaps more significant than the cup semi final. Well, oh, I don't know. I it's think, a pragmatic. Uh, Lyon at home in the cup. Lyon are playing. Uh, they have Lille. to finish in the top three. Lyon yeah. need European football, but they need Champions League football more than just oh, a trophy. Europa League football. A trophy. Yeah, they haven't got one since 2012. It's true. Exactly. But, but they're already in the, the League Cup final anyway, as well, well which well, we can see. You know, they, can, they can be up for that semi-final first. Just another point very quickly on Guimaraes, which is this uh, enormous lion tattoo on his, on his right shoulder. 
He's, uh, he, uh, maybe he had it planned already before he signed for Leon that he was going to get this lion tattooed on his, on his shoulder. But he has an enormous lion that basically his old right upper arm with a couple of little lion cubs there as well. And he took the photo and sent it to the Leon supporters and said, thank you for making me feel so, so welcome and so at home here. I am, I am a lion. And the number 39 shirt, because that was the number of his dad's taxi back in Brazil. And that was part of the negotiations we found out in this interview last night. But yeah, Leon really needed that three, those three points because the top four all won this weekend. And I'm sure we'll talk more about the top four later. Uh, still seven points behind Ren in third, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And with only 11 games left, it's, it's still going to be hard. Seven points behind Ren, six points behind Leon. Have they're they playing, left it too late? They're playing both of those teams this month. It's a, it's a huge month. And uh, they have only just won back-to-back games in the league as well after four games, I think, without victory. So it's I'm, not guys, time to yet say that But Leon Dembele, had, 12 uh, goals in 2020. Only Cristiano Ronaldo has more amongst the major leagues. I like him. He's a good striker. I've been saying it. Yeah, don't say he's like <laughs> Karim Benzema. You say that every time and he's just not like Karim Benzema. But listen, listen. Um, oh, I've, 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 I've lost the thread there. Now, what was I going to say? Too much birthday cake. <laughs> Stop you're, the champagne. You're listening to Le Beau Jeu. I'll go in with a, a, a little plug um, to, to, to help me through the transition. You can email us, send your questions, leaguegunpodcast at gmail.com. Rate us on all the different uh, podcast platforms, Deezer, Spotify, etc. I don't know any others. Um, <laughs> there must be Apple or something, or is that, uh, yeah, well... Rate us. Platforms, rate, rate us. us. wherever you are. You can uh, communicate on Twitter using the hashtag Le Beau Jeu. A word about Saint-Etienne. We talked about um, Juninho. I know Juninho is not a big fan of Claude Puel because Claude Puel was Leon manager. And um, interestingly, he, kind he of, sent him packing. Yeah, he pushed Juninho to one side. He was coming towards the end of his career. And uh, Puel has kind Played of made... another five years after that. But back in Brazil, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, he was coming. <laughs> in the States. He was coming towards the end of his Leon yeah. career. Anyway. He was thirty-four. And Puel's done this. He's done this at, at everywhere. Southampton, at He's Leicester. Done it everywhere. Yeah, it's interesting. I've, I've 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 been reading up a, a bit about that. But we know that you know he 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 challenged Jamie Vardy quite a lot. And Puel's ethos is very much he treats everybody equally. They're all the same. There are no statuses uh, within the dressing room. And and he's tried to shake things up at Saint Etienne. We talk about, you know, the likes of Loic Pah getting, uh, getting dropped, uh, Debussy and Villa. And now it's Stefan Ruffier, who apparently uh, wasn't training well at all. And Puel took him to task. And uh, Ruffier has essentially fallen out with Puel, is not in the squad. Um, and Saint-Etienne are two points above the, uh, the playoff positions. A- They've got one point from a possible 18. And he's in big trouble, isn't he? It's a long list, Matt, the names you say, cited there. You can also add Jan Villa, who he wanted to get rid of in January already. He, he's, he's got problems. Kolodzicak was another that he left out early. He's done this everywhere. Sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't. And it depends on your squad. And it depends on how big your egos are and how, how at Nice... It worked very well when he arrived at Nice, at Lille as well, going back uh, 20 years now. It, it worked, but it but works at some bigger, clubs, yeah, doesn't the, work everywhere. The bigger the club or the bigger the players, the harder the, it is. Exactly. The more, the more difficult it is to impose your will at, and say that Stéphane Ruffier is the same as Jesse Moulin. I think the injuries have been the biggest problem. It, without those injuries, the results would have been better. He had a very good start winning mm. the derby game in his first game in charge and then going on a decent unbeaten run. Without the injuries, the results would have been there. And everyone knows, what's that Steve Archibald quote that I like? Team spirit is an illusion glimpsed in the aftermath of victory. 
that the, <laughs> the spirit is much better if you have results. Things absolutely, unravel and all of these true. things come to the fore when you're not getting the results. You said one point from 18, it's four from the last 30. Yeah. I know they're, they're awful at the moment. No, four from 33 now. That's one yeah, win and a draw in, yeah. in 11 yeah. matches for, for Puel. The, interestingly, his, his, his way of, of dropping players and giving confidence in other players... Two teenagers in the centre of defence in the derby, Saliba and Wesley Fofana. So much talk about Saliba. Wesley Fofana is a fine young player as well, just 19 years of age, only just turned 19, and uh, a, an excellent prospect. But at fault for the first goal, or confused for the first goal, he was part of a three-man wall, dropped back, tried to get close to Dembele, got nowhere near. Dembele, I think it went down as a header, it came off his shoulder. Off his shoulder, it? yeah, glancing, glancing and Robbie, for, for the Arsenal fans listening out there, how was William Saliba last night? Big test as well for him. Well, this is a, these are huge tests for him in a, in a team that's conceding goals, that changes its goalkeeper. He's just come back from, he's had injury problems so far this campaign as well. He's playing alongside a, a kid who's just about six months older than him. I mean, all of this is not the ideal way to be blooded into to playing first-team football and starting your professional career. Perhaps it will be a great learning curve and, and will hold him in good stead for, for what's to come. On the football pitch, he's solid, but I don't think he's playing with overwhelming confidence. His passing game didn't look exceptional last night. He... he a couple of times he made maybe doubtful decisions when, when caught one-on-one -on -one down in the corner. But uh, look, he's a good player. There's no doubt about that. If there is one bit of hope, it's that they managed to up their energy levels uh, in the second half because Claude Puel rightly at half-time described them as being apathetic in the first half. They just let Leon do what they wanted. And they have to start with the same energy when they're at home to Bordeaux in their next game next Sunday. They have to start every game like that now if they want to survive. Yeah, and in the second half they were just mm. pathetic. No, the second half, the second no, half they know, were better. I know. I know, they played with more energy and they, yeah. They could have equalised. Minute, ten minutes before the end, Kolodzicek yeah. had, a, had, a, had a great chance from a free kick that was miraculously saved. Let's move on, shall we? Um, good times for Leon, bad times for Saint-Étienne. Saint-Étienne, though, uh, grateful for, uh, for Marseille's victory away to Nîmes. The fact that, that Nîmes were defeated is a relief for them. Uh, the fact that Dijon also lost and Amiens also lost. Um, yeah, it means that Saint-Étienne are in trouble, but... Toulouse, it, do we need to mention it could Toulouse? Have been, well, if you're talking about <laughs> points ratios, Toulouse, it's one point from 51 possible. I mean, yeah. yeah That's incredible. We will, we will talk about them in the battle for the Champions League positions. Um, they're not in the battle for the Champions League positions. Their opponents were. But Nîmes versus Marseille. This was important for Marseille, who were beaten at home by Nantes in their last game. Robbie Thompson uh, again... Commentated, Big weekend. <laughs> commentated this one. Nolan Rue under hit, but Ferrat gets it. Now into the area. A little pass for Nolan Rue. The shot on the turn. What a save, but Ferrat is there. And Nim have an early goal yet again. Little ball over the top. Oh, it's a lovely pass for Bunasar. And Benedetto has equalised. away there. A little bit too easily. And here's Benedetto now. The little chip over the top. Hands ball in. Oh, it falls! And Benedetto pounces for a hat trick. Surely it's too late even for a miracle. Oh, they've scored though. Luca Do. Nîmes two, Marseille three. They got off to a, a good start. The Crocodiles didn't they? But uh, they just, as crocodiles do, they run out of energy. They have. I've, I've seen they crocodiles. Went to sleep. I've, I've, <laughs> I've been lucky enough to see like crocodiles in real life, and they're. They're these huge kind of 
they look huge and fat, but they're, they've got incredible muscle. And then all of a sudden they burst to life. They, they eat something and then they go to sleep for, for another hour. And exactly. That, well, is that's that, what, is that what happened, Rob? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Marseille, Marseille were very good. Ferrat giving them uh, the early lead. And then it was, uh, I can't really say that the Dario Benedetto show because, I mean, he scored three goals in the end, but he was right place, right time. A couple of very close offside calls. Marseille deserved winners, uh, I think, in the end. But uh, Nim, after going to sleep for the rest of that first half, second half was not too bad either. They looked at, at moments like they could get back into the game, like they could really take it to Marseille. Marseille victorious, great for great for confidence, great for Benedetto's confidence and, and really answering critics because everyone was saying Marseille are looking at Umbai Nyong now to, to bring in. Marseille can't play European football next season with Valère Germain and Dario Benedetto on the squad. They need a striker. They have been struggling to score goals. Perhaps that's why Benedetto bounced back. They're in a great position, though, aren't they, Dave? They are, yeah. And it, Benedetto scoring was important because he'd only got one goal in 2020 prior to that, which was against Lille. And I, I want to talk a bit more about Marseille strikers. And I'm going to mention a name from the past. Because I don't know if you managed to see this internet clip over the weekend of Andre Pierre Gignac scoring a wonder oh, goal yes. for Tigres. He got a hat trick for Tigres. Marseille wouldn't have had any of these problems if they'd managed to keep Gignac or later Bafatimbi Gomez. Gignac's had five sensational seasons. At Tigres in Mexico, and I'm convinced that even at the age of 34, at this stage of the season, he'd have more goals than Benedetto's 11, which is inflated by that hat trick at the weekend. Tigres' goalkeeper scored Get a fantastic back. late winner, by the way, in in midweek in continental competition, which was very exciting. I I would have <laughs> loved to have seen Gignac more over here, but fair play to him because uh, you know we don't know perhaps that much about the Mexican league. We probably don't watch it that much, but they've got a lot of good players over there and he has become he has become an absolute cult hero and, and, and fair play, but I'm going to give a bit more love. Benedetto to... was a bit of a star in the Mexican league as well. Was he? Yeah, yes. absolutely. Before I know uh... he scored quite a lot of Boca in his uh, No, no, before Boca, Boca, I think he was with America and uh, Andre Pierre Gignac actually had a word to, to Marseille and said, look, if you're looking for a player, there's this guy, oh, Benedetto they, yeah. they, from I mean, Mexico. I, mean, Del, I remember Delgado at Lyon, he had phenomenal stats at... Uh, yeah, a Mexican club, yep. is it? Cruz, 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 Cruz Azul, yeah. and yeah. Uh, you know, and, and he, he was awful. He, he I liked him. He was no, 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 He took a while to get going at Leon. No, the Leon he was fans, no good. No, the he Leon was a nice player. Loved him in the last. I liked him. Seasons. I liked him. I thought, yeah, and uh, oh, especially they, no, they was him a, today instead of Terrier or Cornet or you know, no lightweight, underperforming in the big games. No, last season he was he was very good. No, a lot of time for Delgado. He's better than Edison. But Davies in the Icone bracket um but yeah Dario Benedetto another good stat going uh, looking back at Marseille's history nine of Benedetto's 11 goals have come away from home the last striker to get that many away from home was Jean-Pierre Papin so not even Didier Drogba managed that many away from home. well that's to show me to become a true velodrome idol you've got to start scoring goals at the velodrome so sort it out Dario Dave's always season at home to Amiens on Friday Back it up. to Amiens because the last man to get a hat-trick for Marseille was Florian Tovan against Amiens in 2018. And Tovan uh, is back in full training. May even make an appearance, probably won't start against Amiens. I'm, while we're feeling a bit nostalgic, I want to put this one to the table. Who, who's your favourite South American striker to, to have played in Liga? And I know before the pod we mentioned Delio Onis, um, who else? Carlos Bianchi, these, the, these legends from the 60s and 70s that, unfortunately, we didn't really get to see. So it's more from our era. Should I go to Robbie's looking puzzled? But I'm going to go to Robbie first. Okay. Uh, 
South America. Well, I always enjoyed watching Sonny Anderson. There must have been a couple Take of... Take mine. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, I'll change. How about... Uh, who was the, the Brazilian striker? We didn't see his best here at, at Le Mans before he went and won the league with Wolfsburg. Graffiti. Graffiti. I thought you knew Tulio de Mello. No, yeah. not Tulio de Mello. But I'm going to go with another one who never really probably hit the heights, but I thought he was excellent with a, an underperforming side here in Ligue 1. Um, Dario, another Dario. Dario uh, Svitanich. Yes, very good, Matt. At he least. was good. I thought he was an excellent striker. His, He's his, still playing. His wife's absolutely beautiful. <laughs> absolutely amazing, yeah. Dave. I've no idea what Lissandro Lopez's wife looks like, but I'm going to go with Lissandro Lopez because in a, a Leon team that was coming out of that really successful era, he carried the team for a long time and he scored the winner the last time they won a trophy. Yes, Matt, trophies are important. He scored against Kevier in the 2012 Coupe de France final. Very good. Yeah, Lissandro Lopez was great to watch. But for me, <clears throat> Sonny Anderson, what a phenomenal player. I'm going to have to clear my throat, excuse me. <clears throat> um, and... Yeah, uh, we've had the pleasure of bumping into Sonny in the uh, in the corridors of, of being sports. Lovely, lovely guy. And if you get to look at some of his goals, I mean, this guy was just amazing. I remember saying to Sonny, it's a great shame you, you, you didn't come and show your talents in England. I know because I'm English. And he said, well, you know, I couldn't because I couldn't get a work permit. And back in those days. You know, he wasn't the, playing for Brazil. It wasn't easy for, for Brazilians. I mean, he was phenomenal. He, he mm. didn't quite get uh, Ronaldo and, uh, and that lot out of the Barcelona team. And that's why Leon were able, were able to get him. He then went on to, to, to just, yeah, sunny Absolutely. goal, sunny yeah. goal. Absolutely brilliant. And anecdote that I like, do you know why, why Thierry Henry wears his socks up around his knees? Because of Sonny Anderson by any because chance? he used to watch Sonny in training at, at, Monaco, at Monaco and he just wanted to be like Sonny Anderson. And um, yeah, it's quite nice to be the idol of Thierry Henry. Sonny is that. Deja who? it's time for our quiz. Speaking, speaking of uh, former players and guessing players. Exactly. And we're going to move on from the nostalgia, but a little bit more here. Um, last week's Deja Who, I was born in France, but don't play for them. I started my career in Italy, but Dijon, Monaco and Saint-Étienne are among my former clubs, having worn yellow and black, in brackets Dortmund. I don't think I'm supposed to say Dortmund. Um, I now wear yellow and blue on away trips. Little as well, yeah? Did we all get this? Yeah, yeah, he did play for Lille yeah, did, yeah. as well. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's a player that we picked out. I know we used to commentate a lot of African international football matches. I saw yeah. him play for Gabon as a, a youngster and thought, yeah. and I kept saying to people, he's going to be the, the main man. And it took about four seasons from then Daniel. for him Absolutely. to actually start doing Absolutely. anything You're not good. talking well, about Daniel Cousin. You're talking about Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang. 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 Oh, yeah, I'm... I've got the English. I know it doesn't Obama. scan so well for the chance for the Arsenal fans, but Obama Young, Arsenal fans. And his dad was a player as well. Willie Obama. Willie Obama. Yeah, and his brother, his brother tweets stuff like, Arteta's no good, he's inexperienced. And I have a little story about uh, Obama, Pierre, Pierre Emmerich. He signed, after Lille, he signed for Saint-Étienne, I think. And I, I was chatting to Carlos Bocanegra, the, the U.S. national team coach, around that time. And I said, so you've got a new player. What's he like? He's very quick. Um, and he goes, a new player? Oh, yeah, I've only seen the back of him. And it's because chasing him, he, Bocanegra was the left back. Obama Young was positioned in, always in training up against him. And he, he, only, he could never catch him. I remember but he him. was never scoring goals. And it was at Saint-Étienne. Where he started scoring, and that was where how no, he so became the player. It's really he is. interesting because he was so wasteful. I mean, incredible. He it, couldn't he, he couldn't did. hit the side of a barn. When uh, he was Lille, at Lille. My memories of him there were always 
getting the ball on the touchline and just carrying it over the touchline. Yeah. He was so short of confidence. <laughs> we never saw his pace or his finishing ability. Yeah, it's interesting, and he's he's become so lethal. Although, although in the 120th minute against Olympiacos, he missed. From he could have been more years. lethal. Yes. No, but that that you know. That certainly wasn't. It can all, happen. That certainly can wasn't happen. Obama's fault. Let, let, let's do this week's Deja Who. Yes. So don't forget. Oh no. Well, first of all, congratulations to Jeremy Dooley in South Africa, who tweeted in with uh, with the correct answer, Pierre Emerick Aubameyang. You can tweet in using the hashtag um, Deja Who L one Deja Who L one hashtag on Twitter or email us League One Podcast at gmail.com. So this week, here we go. I started my career at the Stade de l'Abbé des Champs. I had a penchant for scoring spectacular goals, but could also hold my nerve from 12 yards, as I showed on one crazy night in Istanbul. I played for Marseille and Bastia, and I also played in Greece, but my hip prevented me from being as good a mover as John Travolta. Eru was my best man at my wedding. Now, if you know the answer to that, do get in contact hashtag deja who l1 or um on the email league and podcast at gmail.com now i've got ba- an idea i've got an idea you think you know who it is maybe yeah i'm not going to say anything yet yeah 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 i think i know as well <laughs> podium battle podium battle guys we've we've alluded to the fact that leon are, are closing in well they're not really because ren and leo both won but it's um a five, six-way battle. I don't know. Monaco perhaps still just about in it, despite the fact they could only draw this weekend with uh, with Rouse. A good victory for uh, for Ren with uh, Benjamin Andre getting the only goal for sorry Benjamin Andre getting the only goal for Lille away to Nantes. So that that was a very tough victory. Ren getting the win against Toulouse, perhaps a slightly easier victory. Um, what do you think, guys? There's one point to choose between Ren and Lille. Um, they're the favourites to finish third and qualify for the Champions League. But uh, Dave, Dave, you still going for Monaco? Or? Oh, I'm, I'm going to have to for another few weeks. Uh, Predrag Rajkovic did his best to, to stymie that with all of the saves that he made against Monaco, who did hit the woodwork three times and were unlucky not to win the game at the weekend. They did three crossbars. Yeah, and Ben Yedder is awesome. Ben Yedder is awesome. Yeah, yeah. well... He is, but he's not top scorer anymore, is he? No, he's not. Killian got that. Killian Mbappe, 18 goals. Ben Yedda, 17. Moussa Dembele, 16. Now, I know that Armel and myself went for Wissam Ben Yedda, the top scorer. Yeah, the can you remember who you said, Rob? I said Neymar. I think I would have said Killian, no? I, I think Robbie said Killian. So. Yeah. Yeah, Robbie's, Robbie's looking quite good. Um, well, I think the battle for... He's been sitting one off the rails as we come now into the final straight, and Killian will now just accelerate away with that. He I'm afraid, lads. Unless, you know, form. touch stunning wood, form. everything going according to plan. Killian's been involved in 40 goals this season. 27 strikes and uh, 13 assists. It, it, it's not bad, is it? And he was good. He was good again at the, uh, at the weekend. PSG thrashing Dijon. Armel Tangi uh, was there to, uh, to see the action for us. It's Killian Mbappe with the ball in. Back out to Marquinhos and Stato by Pablo Sarabia. Mbappe might be in here, round the goalkeeper. And Kylian Mbappe does make it two for Paris Saint-Germain. Flick through to Mbappe from Panades. He's turned and running at Equilimonga. Now Icardi, 3-0. Marquinhos was there, he'll come for Draxler. And Mbappe does get his 
second goal. What a player he is. He's won this second half, killing Mbappe. PSG scoring four goals then in a league gun contest for the fourth game running. Um, this time they didn't concede any. So all in all, uh, David, a good a good afternoon's work. Mbappe looks exceptionally sharp, as sharp as we've seen him in recent months. He needs to carry that through to the Dortmund second leg. I'm not sure what we really learnt from the game because Dijon are not a good side. Um, Kouassi played at centre-half, Marquinhos in midfield, but you, you can't really assess them based on that. We have to see what Thomas Tuchel does when they go to Lyon, which will be a much sterner test. And then we have to keep an eye on the injury news. Uh, we're hearing that Thiago Silva fancies being fit for the second leg. There's a question mark, would you pick him if he's not 100% fit anyway? Well, you would ahead of a 17-year-old, wouldn't you? Well, when we beat Barcelona, when Paris beat Barcelona, <laughs> sorry, excuse me, 4-0 before a... a, a You're, always we wearing a hoodie. About... You're always wearing a hoodie that says Parc des Princes, just to give you a bit. And we're about, what, 500 yards from the Parc des Princes? Well, but... yeah, maybe a kilometre. But, so, you know. but, but do bear with us, Marseille <laughs> And Edinson Cavani balloon shot away from the Parc des Princes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he, he almost got a couple out of the stadium, didn't he? Um, I spoke to Thomas Tuchel just before the game against Dijon. Did you shake his hand, though? Well, no, I checked him, absolutely. There's no shaking hands at all at the Paris Saint-Germain training ground. Between any staff, nobody... There problems, was no, of problems about, with team spirit? There or? was no mixed zone at the, at the Parc des Princes either. There were no kids walked out with the, with the players before the game. The players didn't shake hands before the match. All of this because of the coronavirus. Killian, which, just, uh, sorry, but Killian's yes. going to be in trouble because he was writing uh, um, a column in the, the Player Tribute, I think, this Player week. Player Tribune, yeah. Yeah, Tribune, and he was um, saying about how Mbondi... You know, we're taught to shake everybody's hands. So apparently, he always, always shakes everyone's hands. But not at the moment. Not at the moment. But, uh, you know, that's it's being imposed by the club to make sure that uh, players don't get sick. And if they are injured, it only happens on the football pitch. I think there were, OK, so many talking points, perhaps, from, from a Paris Saint-Germain point of view. The injuries, first of all, between with Thiago Silva and Angel Di Maria. Di Maria felt something in his thigh and immediately sort of tried to stretch it out and then thought, OK, I, I, I should go off. And that I think he could have probably played on. He played for another four or five minutes before the substitution was ready, before Draxler came on to replace him. And, I'm, and I wonder if it's just this, this overall feeling around the club that, look, don't take any chances with anything. We need to have as many people ready and, and to go. And there's this just in the back of the mind that everyone is always thinking about Dortmund. It's not an easy way to, to be running a football club with everyone thinking, oh, I've just, have I just no, hurt not. myself? Got, I've got to come off. I've and got I'll tell you off. what, you go to Leon uh, on Wednesday, if PSG are not 100% focused on that game, they'll get beaten, won't they? If, if uh, absolutely. Thinking, Strasbourg on, guys, next weekend as well. Strasbourg next weekend. And we all remember Strasbourg the last couple of seasons have been have deliberately tried to to get up Paris Saint Germain and and when I when give I used to play challenge. um when I used to play rugby my, good game for Neymar to come back in my exactly coach, yeah. Mr Talbot he always said the the best way to get injured is by being scared and being getting worried about getting injured you got to be a hundred percent and he's right I got a bloody nose on that um on that game against St Albans sorry Dave go. <laughs> Uh, yeah, Neymar <laughs> was suspended at the weekend. It sounds like Di Maria might even be fit for midweek yeah, against Lyon from okay. what Thomas Tuchel was saying post-match. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm struggling for things to say and I think the, the French media are too. I'm not going to say that Cavani can't finish because he missed two well, open I, I, goals. I, can I just, no, that is significant. He's, Icardi came on and scored showed, a great goal with his showed, first touch. Yeah, he sort of showed the worst of Cavani. He, his movement is always brilliant. 
Mm-hmm. He missed two absolute sitters. Well, one absolute sitter and one slightly harder, perhaps. But um, yeah, and then we saw the opposite, if you like. Icardi came on, scored with his first touch. And yeah. I was telling Robbie last week that Cavani's going to start ahead of Icardi against Dortmund. And uh, I see that and think, mm, maybe I'm wrong. Yeah, but well, an- another interesting selection point is Marquinhos in midfield with Kwasi. And we talk about this this 17-year-old, which was Presnel Kimpembe, by the way, who was... 18 and played his first ever Champions League match against Barcelona in that that 4-0 victory. But Kwasi playing at the back, he's very impressive, Tongi Kwasi, really. He's a a France under-17 international. He's already scored three goals for the first team as well, which shows you that he he can accept responsibility and also make a difference. Marquinhos playing in midfield, I think, is very important because there's no Marco Verratti and all the questions saying, well, Thiago Silva's out. Clearly, Marquinhos will drop back into midfield. And Thomas Tuchel has said, Marquinhos is such an impressive player. When he plays at the back, he helps his other defenders in the midfield. When he plays in midfield, he's good for the forwards and the defenders. And he can really make a, a, have a huge influence on the game. And I think, honestly, he really does like Marquinhos in midfield. Does he really like Marquinhos in midfield? Or is it that he doesn't really have any options because for some reason he's reluctant to play Paredes and Paredes would be the obvious you know the guy that is an Argentine international PSG spent 45 million on him um, but to replace I, I, but Idrissa Gay I, no 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 you play Paredes and Gay no because yeah. Verratti is suspended and I mean the only other option is Herrera who's injured isn't he now? Herrera's yeah. out for, so, for two months now as well yeah. so there's so I don't think there's any options but are you looking for it depends how you're going to play again if you're if you're going to play with just picking two your best holding player, men, if you're picking your best players, you play you play Paredes, who is a central midfielder and has proven it for many years, alongside Idris again. You play Marquinhos in defence, but I think there is a. Problem. You don't play three centre halves this time. I think that's the no. number one point. No, at think, home. No, I think there is a problem with. But you know, we're we're falling a little bit into the trap that I think the French media fall into. And Robbie, you're saying you know PSG are maybe thinking too much about Dortmund and not not the matters at hand, but the media. You know, are obsessed and and Lequi- uh, you know I read L'Equipe on Sunday and it was all you know a good test for Paris Saint Germain yeah, and yeah. and the double page spread it had the Dortmund report on the right it had you know the, there was no match report is that it, not understandable it, though it they're thirteen all... points clear with eleven games to play but they've got a cup semi final on Wednesday and then a cup I think you have to talk you, surely you have to talk about the game that's just happened and not about you know the the, the match report went in on Tongi Kwasi and, and Marquinhos and. How did they look? Will it be okay against Dortmund like this? I, I, I don't know. I think it's an obsession that the French have. And perhaps it is understandable because PSG are, are walking towards the league title again. But, um, but I don't think it's healthy. I, think, I don't think it's healthy. I agree with you 100%, Matt, that, it, that it's not healthy and it doesn't help Paris Saint-Germain prepare for a big Champions League game as well. With it, let's face it, the Champions League tie against Dortmund since mid-December, when the draw was held mid-late December... It is the match for Paris Saint-Germain. And what has happened between the draw for the Dortmund game and these two Dortmund matches has all been for, for in the spirit of the people in France and the media and, and probably a little bit the Paris Saint-Germain fans as let's well. And obviously this has to seep into the, the squad at some level. It's all up, about Dortmund. Let's pick up on the team spirit thing again, though, because uh, there's been highly publicised team get-togethers in recent weeks. And we've mentioned the parties. We should mention they went out for a lunch at a restaurant that Marco Verratti owns. And that it looked like a good few of the players got together, as I said they would, for Juan Bernat's birthday yesterday. Yes. Great that the left yep. back wasn't wasn't forgotten and, and had a, a party. And a lovely, well, that was it. actually I recognised it. That was the the PSG canteen 
at the training ground. That, that would be well, my number one pick he, for a birthday hire, venue. Did he as hire well. it out? Or? We should be there today. <laughs> He was uh, he was he was having his lunch, and the the they the players brought him a, a special cake in an interesting form, and a cake that Neymar had prepared. Is that true? Or is, yeah. I think it was definitely he, on his Instagram. Yeah, yeah. He he supplied him with the the cake on the table. And it was a rate. kind of funny shape. This cake. Been, it was kind of a bit like the Eiffel Tower, but not quite. Well, I, I think, think it's best that people it. make their own minds up. <laughs> yeah, have 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 a look, have a look at the. Uh, oh, yeah. good to see a bit of banter. We we'll move on, but interestingly, just yeah, on banter, on. then just on yeah. banter, and the, all those videos that caused such a stir last week, ten days ago, when when the the triple party was held and and the videos were being posted at four or five o'clock in the morning. There's one where you see Kaylor Navas, who's won the Champions League three times, saying, "This is where we win the Champions League tonight." And that's... Uh, is that good, is it? Well, it's about that spirit and about saying. And people were saying, a, f- a few months ago, people were saying that there are certain elements in the Paris Saint-Germain camp don't talk to each other, that there are problems between oh. Neymar and, and Cavani, this and that. You see them all dancing together, all hugging, all yeah, But all Robbie, even I, I, Team spirit I say stuff is like very that important, at four Matt. in the morning when well, I've got Well, we have, we have and... the odd run-in, Matt, you and I as well. But I think uh, there's, there's professional respect as well. Maybe we should go out for, for a drink. Yeah, a little bullshit. <laughs> They're going to win the best podcast <laughs> award. Um, just want to make a more serious point about Tongi Kwasi, and then we will move on. I Because we talk about this obsession with, uh, with Dortmund. And the one argument, apart from the fact he's a very good young kid, the one argument I would, I would have for him would be that perhaps, you know, he hasn't had the trauma of recent years. And he's an insouciant kid who might just see Haaland as, you know, his peer that he's just going to have a nice, nice game of football against. Whereas Thiago Silva might be thinking, my goodness, if I get given the runaround here by Haaland, this could be the end of my career. And he'll be thinking about what happened last year and the year before. Well, they're, they're, the, they're the decisions that Thomas Tuchel has to make, aren't they? They're the, that's what he's well, that's might what encourage he's Kowasi to sign a long-term contract. The PSG need to tie him down for the future because they've they lost do. too many good young players in recent years, including a lad who plays centre-half for Dortmund, Zagadou. Yeah, Dan Axel Zagadou, who wasn't Zagadou bad in the first do, leg. Do, His... do. Guys, Apart we're running out of time. <laughs> we're running out of time. Even though there are only three of us, you've been uh, very uh, bavard, as the French say. You've been talking a lot. But Dave has been commentating this weekend. He was... Uh, All the big games for me. Commentating. He's, he's not happy with the, the, with the, with the draw or with the uh, plannings. But, uh, but Dave, Bordeaux against Nice. It was uh, Sousa against Vieira. Some talented players on, on each side. Toma Basic, the young uh, Croatian midfielder, doing very well for Bordeaux. Adam Unas doing well for Lille. Let's just hear your commentary first. Bordeaux versus Nice. Basic carries it out of the defence. Very good run from Basic. And he's released Depreville. If he can round Benitez, which he can, he should score. And he does score. Nicolas Depreville gives Lejeune down Bordeaux the lead. Basic. Good ball by Basic. Oh, it's straight at the keeper. That was a big, big chance for Pardo. Basic has been the player of the half. Drops for Unas against his former club. Oh, he's hit the bar. The skill of Adam Unas. That was delicate. Needs a good ball in here. Well, Unas! Unas with a spectacular equaliser. He doesn't celebrate against the club where he started his career. That was magnificent. Dave Bordeaux going ahead, Nice hitting back. Was that a, a, a fair result in the end, one apiece? Yeah, I think it was. Uh, Basic is unrecognisable from the player in his Absolutely. first season in Bordeaux. Absolutely. Last year, he looked tentative, played sideways passes. But didn't uh, play that much either, but maybe because of that. Uh, they were so one-paced in midfield when he mm. played with Otavio. Now the two of them play there and they run everywhere. 
Basic apparently, and he's admitted this, realised he needs to train a lot harder. And now he breaks through the lines with the ball at his feet and holds players off as he did to set up the De Previal goal. He takes set pieces. He was everywhere. He's a terrific player and I think he's got a very good future. Uh, good to see Unas. How old is he, Dave? He's, he's 23, 20. I think. Yeah, yeah. Good to see Unas, who's also 23, mm-hmm. um, back playing well because he's a player I've admired ever since his mm. Bordeaux days. That mm. Back in those dog days at Bordeaux when you got assigned those games and you thought this is going to be nil-nil. The one spark that might give you some hope was seeing Unas's name on the team sheet. And he scored a great overhead kick uh, to equalise in this game. And he's starting to hit some form. It's taken a long time for him to hit his stride at Nice. He's on loan from Napoli with an option to buy, set at €25 million. Euros. When he plays like that, he looks worth every centime of that. He said he wants to stay as well, doesn't he? Yeah, he does want to stay. He's starting to develop a bit more of an understanding with Dolberg, who was very, very quiet uh, at Bordeaux. Um, but I'm... I wrote a preview of this game for the Ligue website and build it as European hopefuls clash. Neither of them are going to call a high for Europe based on that and the, their inconsistency. Nice have only lost one in 11, but they draw too many games. Bordeaux have won only two in 11. Well, Armel Tangi, our colleague, uh, did a very interesting interview with Patrick Vieira, which you will be able to listen to on Le Bourgeois. Um, as of next week. Um, and Vieira was talking up Adam Una, saying, I think he could be a key man um, in the running for us. He's been involved in four goals in his last three uh, Liga matches. And, uh, well, Nice, they're, they're, they're not far away from pushing but, up and, no, and getting in the European places. I, mean, I, I thought Maurice, Claude Maurice was better as yeah, well. Yeah, he's improving I think as well. He's improving his as well. He's another one better. who's struggled, yeah. And he can, he can make a difference. Dolberg is a is not a player who's going to make that difference in no. in the play. They've got Les Malou who can who can break through lines in midfield. He's an old box to box midfielder as well. They're they're a but team but Unas is another one of these click. left-footed players who plays on the right, who on his day looks unplayable. I'm thinking about Riyad Budabu's Hatem Ben Arthur, mm. but what's the common theme between the three of those? It's inconsistency. And if Unas can find that elusive consistency, then he'll be outstanding for them yeah I agree I, I agree yeah, huge I, potential I, I still like but the years as a coach, I think he's a good coach for, for somebody like Unas to have I do want to get a good girl in before we go because I feel like the good girl has, uh, has been neglected a little bit in, in recent weeks so either I'm going to do it or Dave's going to do it Dave do you feel sure yeah I'm pretty angry you actually you're pretty angry yeah, come yeah, on yeah. then no, uh, it, it was raining on my cycle ride in again this morning which it does every Monday the rain has been no, incredible let off some steam Dave oh merde quelle bande de chèvres c'est mon coup de gueule I hinted at this a few weeks ago, and it's something that's been bugging me. Um, it's late kickoffs. If a match is billed at five o'clock, let's kick it off at five o'clock, not at 5.05, which is what happened in Bordeaux Nice yesterday. If it's nine o'clock, let's start playing football at nine o'clock, not at 9.05. I agree. If, if I was running a train service like this, I'd expect to be fined. Are you annoyed because, and as a are you annoyed because you're, yeah, your 12 minutes <laughs> pre-match becomes 17, 17 minutes? 17, exactly. Which is I worried that there's a technical mistake because you know, we go through this pre-match routine and you expect to see certain graphics kick in and they just weren't there. So but but the biggest problem saying, is, Where is, is, is when they get the whole protocol wrong and they, they come out and they're ready for kickoff at 9.03 and they have to wait 90 seconds mm. just with, with everyone just standing around waiting. It is frustrating. Waiting for that arm to drop. On the sideline, exactly. Well, my good girl is um, is just stewing very nicely, and next week I'm gonna unleash it on it's the world. It's still relevant. It will yeah. be more relevant next week than than this week, actually. So I'm quite pleased, Dave. Dave did it. Mm, then. Let's um, let's go on a bon voyage. We're just uh, 
um, going through all our rubrique, all our all our regular sequences. Um, next week, some fascinating games. I'll be off after my midweek adventures in the Coupe de France, where I'm going to Lyon and Saint-Étienne for the two semi-finals. I'll be off to Strasbourg on Saturday because uh, Strasbourg, Paris Saint-Germain. I was there last year at uh, the Meno for an, for an interview with Lebo Motiba and uh, ate a very nice uh, sauerkraut and uh, traditional Strasbourg fare. Uh, stayed in a nice hotel. There are nice little canals around. It's a, it's a lovely city and plenty of passion. And we all remember what happened last season when Paris Saint-Germain took on Strasbourg and Thierry Laurie had plenty of words for the wow. for the Paris Saint-Germain dandies. I I, uh, Neymar was injured again. Oh, yeah. Strasbourg beaten two years ago, didn't they? Strasbourg beat PSG. Absolutely, the yeah, yeah, at the Menno. Stefan Balkan. Exactly, who's now at uh, Angers these days. And... Uh, it's going to be a big game, and Strasbourg don't take backward steps when they entertain at the Menno. So I'll be, Europe, I'll be well up. fed and uh, watch a nice match of football. Très bien. David. Marseille Amiens for me. Hoping to see Florian Tovan's comeback and to see if Benedetto can score at home. It's a long way to go, just in case Florian Tovan plays. I'm going to go um, even further, though. I'm going to go all the way to Nice because there is a derby de la Côte d'Azur. And the Côte d'Azur is always a lovely uh, place to go for the weekend. Nice against Monaco. It could be a, a European final. Well, kind of a final to see who can get in the Euro- Europa League, uh, perhaps. Patrick Vieira's men need the points um, if they're going to join the battle. And uh, Dave, Dave, still confident Monaco top three? Yeah. Very, very <laughs> impressive. Um, thank you very much, uh, gentlemen. Thank you to our listeners for joining us again this week. And uh, we do... Hope you will join us again next week. Lots of action between now and then. Have a great week. We'll see you again soon. All the best. Bye. Bye.